Hey, welcome back everybody. This is the you need to know. And we're diving in the app this week and we're digging out in the big bucket of questions. One to choose from. And there really is a big bucket of questions. I, I think we kind of cherry picked the last couple of weeks questions and, and uh, you know, just kind of answered as we felt like, hey, that's one we can answer quick when it comes across the notifications. But as is being the you need to know, we want to dig deep and not keep answering the same herbicide questions asked in a different way from a different geography. And so we found one that's unique that we can share our experiences on that. Yeah. Yep. I think it'd be kind of fun. And that question comes from Ontario, but this product is used many places. And the question is, has anyone ever used a bird deterrent called avian bird repellent? It's sprayed on corn to deter birds when the cob is developing. Has anyone ever used that on seed corn? Not seed corn, but I've used the product before. Right. Um, uh, no experience there, but I think, uh, should we count on three and see if we're using the same on the same crop? <laughs> One, two, three, sunflowers. Sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's traditionally our biggest um, bird infestation crop that we deal with. But I think it's shifting. I think our, our, our blackbirds in particular – Grackles, redheads, yellowheads, that they're, they do like sunflowers, but man, they really found a place for corn too in that development stage when that corn is, you know, watery ripe, early milk. They just love getting in there and raising cane with, um, I just had a conversation here this last week with the guy and he's like, never knew that when you go into a field and those cobs are like, look like they've been stripped back and then the ends of the cob are all black. It's because uh -huh. the birds are in the birds are in there pecking away. They like that smell, and then of course you get disease and fungus and insects that come in there, and then yeah, it looks terrible. And it That's seems like once they get a taste for it, then cool. they really open up. Yeah, and especially it seems like you get certain hybrids that have a tighter husk versus a looser husk, and sometimes the tip of that ear will come out of the husk some, and it seems like those always get hammered worse. Is when it's in that that watery ripe or milky stage, they they really like tearing into that versus a a tight closed husk. It seems like they have a tougher time, but they do find their way in there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 very similar to uh, sunflowers. Uh, my worst fields that I have for corn that get infected by uh, blackbirds are if you have a water source, sloughs, lakes nearby. They they roost in there and then they come out and feed in those crops. So. Yeah, people have tried to, you know, well, you can use propane boomers, you can use shotgun, you can use maybe a drone, airplane, you know, uh, that type of thing to try to, but all you do is seem to push them somewhere else onto somebody else. That's right. What. They're just moving around. And that's, that's the attraction to go to a repellent mm -hmm. is can you apply something across an entire field scale and we'll just keep them out of there. And, and there's a lot of legitimacy to these products. I mean, they've, they've existed for a long time and they're not going to go away. They have their purpose. But I think also these types of products may be kind of under a general consensus. I think when a, when a customer is looking at that going, is this stuff legitimate <laughs> it, or is this snake oil? Because let's face it, in the agriculture industry, I think there's plenty of products that kind of get lumped into that. Is this a snake oil type product? 
just to, you know, be general categorizing things. And, and unfortunately some of that exists, but I, I've, this is a product that no, that's, that doesn't fall under that category, but you have to understand, you know, it's, that it's a deterrent. How does it work? How does yeah. it stay on the plant? How does it deter blackbirds? Yeah. I think that's, what's important to know. You won't kill blackbirds uh, with this type of product. You're going to, it's going to get put on and it gives us such a strong uh, acidic type of a, a smell that the birds just don't like it. So we, I, we've used it. It was, uh, if you're in a warehouse with a couple pallets of this, you don't want to be in the warehouse. It is, it's amazing how strong it is. It's strong when you're loading it. Um, and when it gets put on, I've seen it work very well for blackbirds in particular. Now I'm, I'm going to reference when I, my experience is a hundred percent with sunflowers, but I, birds and flowers, birds and corn, that's kind of the same thing. It, it, I've seen the product work very well. It has basically one drawback and that is say you went out on a Tuesday and sprayed it and you're noticing that you don't really have that much bird pressure and it rains on Saturday. You're probably going to have birds back in that field Sunday, Monday. It's well, that's, that's the caveat. And, and our, both of our experiences in sunflowers and in North Dakota. And so there's two things I think of in a sunflower canopy in North Dakota, especially during the time of year that you're trying to cause or, or use a repellent. We've already gone through seed development during that period of time. You're trying to protect from feeding during basically the, the last stages of development where they're physically pulling out the seeds and eating them on a sunflower. But what exists in North Dakota is we have limited rainfall. Typically, August is our driest month mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And, and so one application could last a while. And sunflower canopies generally aren't that robust. There's usually a lot of weeds that grow in a sunflower canopy because there isn't much. There's a lot of sunlight that penetrates through there. So if there's a lot of sunlight that penetrates through a sunflower canopy, there's not going to be a lot of extra moisture. How many times you walked into a cornfield during the initial milk, that, that watery ripe milk stage in corn? How many, how long do you got to wait before the field's dry? Well, I'm just thinking how sweaty I'm going to be when I get out of that field. (laughs) (laughs) Humidity, that, that type of thing. So it, it will, moisture is the, the biggest thing that you have to pay attention with this product. It does, I think, seem to fit a drier, type of climate. It's it's almost like the opposite of a pre-emergent herbicide. You want it to stay drier longer to get the most residual, where otherwise you, you'd say you put on your product and then you'd want some rain in order to extend the residual. So Right, because uh, nothing actually physically stays absorbed onto the plant to, to keep repelling. If, if you get any substantial amount of moisture, if that's high humidity even, and and you have very wet leaves in the morning and a little wind accompanies that it could yeah. it could just dilute that and it could roll right off the plant right. and so the question's coming out of a corn growing region in Ontario so i know that's great lakes then and you also just generalizing here but i'm guessing i'm not wrong they get great rainfall they have good humidity they got great corn growing weather and and that's a unique environment 
lots of lake effects snow in the wintertime. So I got to imagine in the summertime, they get plenty of precip events that happen. So, so would this pan out well for you? I, I think if you know what you're dealing with, as far as just knowing that that doesn't absorb into the plant and you got to keep applying it as needed, yeah. then, then you can work with it that way. That was probably the big deterrent of a second application in sunflowers was it's almost a hundred percent put on by air. And then it was at a price point where it was like, well, if it rained off in seven days, you very rarely went back out and redid it again, if ever. Right. Cause it was kind of cost prohibitive, but, yeah. but being this is seed corn, that's a, that's a way different cost of doing business. And so every little input could mean a lot more in that situation. That I, I don't know what a farmer earns for growing seed corn, but I'd imagine if you start to equate that similar to say like vegetables, where every little bit counts, then maybe this really has a fit. And what were you you were looking that stuff up? Yeah, that's what uh, like uh, the, the thing. I can't remember all the uh, the active ingredient, but the it was Concord grape. Yeah, so. I, it was funny. You were mentioning it's got a real grape smell to it. Oh. And, and so I look up the active ingredient and it's methyl, it's anthrolinate or anthrolanolate. So anyways, as you keep going along on a Wikipedia definition, it has a strong and fruity grape smell. And one of its key uses is a flavoring agent that's used in many food products, uh, food Chewing gum, drugs, nicotine products, candy, soft drinks, uh, a flavoring agent for Kool-Aid. And this naturally occurs on Concord grapes, which is a very tart grape. So everything you remember about it is pretty much spot on on the definition in that, that active ingredient. It was so unique because it would, inside your nose, would, I mean, it was, and, and then you're, you could kind of tell around your eyes too. So probably any place where there was some moisture. But it was, yeah, they were, uh, if I remember right, they had it in, they were going to use it. The farmer decided not to use it and they were going to get that stuff the heck out of there because it was, <laughs> it wasn't fun to be in an enclosed area with that. And it was boxed. Yeah, it's in a box. It's in a jug. And it's, and it's, and jug. it's in sealed jugs and that scent yes. can still work its way around seals. And that's yep. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, our sunflowers went away. And uh, they're just kind of making a comeback now. But uh, I have not had anybody have the desire yet. We generally will do, we spend it on desiccation and try to get the sunflowers killed to go that route. But Well, that's, yeah, that's, where, the, that's where the sunflower market is gone. But I could see in the seed corn market where you can't yeah. desiccate seed corn. Yeah. You have to wait for it to be in a certain moisture range in order to harvest it so it can be processed correctly. So this actually could have a good fit and maybe the economics are there or what you receive for seed corn production that this would have a fit. Just mind you, every time it rains, think of it like any contact fungicide. If you've ever used um, like any copper products or uh, mancazeb or like super tan stuff. Yeah. Yep. Any of that, that real just like thick chalky liquid that it's like almost a sunscreen that goes on. It's a contact fungicide. Those things are contact. As soon as it rains, that active ingredient goes away. It, it doesn't have the fungicidal activity anymore. No different than a repellent. If it gets washed off with water, would not have its repellency 
anymore. So I would say it's it's not a snake oil type product. This is something that works, but just understand if you get heavy dews or moisture, you're going to require reapplication. And then it just comes down to an economics thing. And you probably got enough contacts that you can find if you're in the C-Corn industry to see if other people have done it and what their success or non-failure has been with it or how it's turned out for them. But but I personally yeah. feel like that would probably have a fit in seed corn. I think I'm going to go pour myself some grape Kool-Aid now. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I got a hankering for some grape soda now. And folks, I think that's the we need to know this week. I'm thirsty, so we got to get going. We'll see ya. <laughs> mm-hmm.